for our sins. Will we ever know how much it costs to see our sins upon that cross? It's an awesome price that only one man, the Son of God, was willing to pay. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Wendy and the praise and worship team. Father, right now we come before your throne of grace. We come before you for your presence being in this place on today. We need a refreshing on today. We need an outpouring on today. We need you on today. We desire to be in your presence. We desire to hear from you, Lord, a fresh word, a fresh message. Something that will continue to carry us. And not that there's anything new under the sun. But Lord, there are new tests and new tribulations, new challenges that we were going to face on today and throughout the remainder on the week. So, Father, we're asking for your anointed word to come forth to each and every one, including myself. That the yokes of bondage, the yokes of sin, the yokes of our own selfish ambitions will be destroyed. And, Father, we will be able to see, we will be able to see you in a fresh new light. The rain has gone, the clouds have moved away, and now we can see the Son, the true Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you all again uh, for just being here on today. And again, thank you for those who went out with us on Thursday. Um, It will come back to you. It will come back to you. So on today, we want to continue in our series in the book of Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be talking about guard, inspect, and protect your fruit. We want to guard, inspect, and protect your fruit. Let's just go to uh, Galatians chapter 22 or Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. And I just want to read this one verse. We've read it over and over again, but it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. And now we go into the new part. Uh, The NIV says forbearance, but we want to use the word patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. If you read in the King James version, it actually says faith, but we're not talking about faith. We're talking about faithfulness, and there is a difference. Let me start off by saying that when I was a young boy, a teenager, I decided that I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps. And my father loved to do things with his hands, but primarily one of the things he enjoyed so much was woodworking, carpentry. And I wanted to do the same things my father did. I just loved to see him build things and create things. So I went to vocational school, and finally in my senior year of high school, I started going to vocational classes taking up carpentry and thinking about this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Build houses. I love to build little small things like um, cabinets and bookends and just little things people could use around the house. But in January of 1979, I received a phone call 
Now, I was born and raised in Norfolk, Virginia. In Norfolk, Virginia, if anybody else doesn't know, is the home to the world's largest naval installation. But I lived right in Norfolk, Virginia. But who calls me? An army recruiter. An army recruiter calls me and asks me to come down for an interview. And I said, yes, I'll do it. And so a few months later, I raised my hand and took an oath to protect my country. And I thought, now I can finally do things that I want to do, but it had nothing to do with the carpentry. The army wasn't looking for woodworkers. They were looking for men who were willing to get on tanks and carry rifles and defend their country. And so I left home, but I had no plans, no goals, and most of all, I had no God. I was ready to step out into the world. I remember seeing the advertisement saying, earn $419 a month. Isn't that a lot of money? Back in 1979, it was. $419 a month. But then after taxes, you know, how much was I really getting? But more than anything, like I said, I had no plans, no goals, and I had no God. So I arrived in my first duty station after basic training in Texas. And Lord, the Lord would have it that in the same office as my commanding officer was an army chaplain. How great is our God. And so after getting to know him, chap, chaplain, he was a captain, an 03, chaplain, Captain Dang Larson. Excuse me, I'm a little tongue-tied this morning. And so it didn't take long for, before him and I established a relationship, and in a short while later, I gave my life to God. I gave my life to Christ. And so now, even though I lacked plans and goals, I now had a God to serve. But now I've got a whole new set of circumstances that I have to face. Now I know something called sin. I was a good kid growing up. I did what my parents told me to do. Otherwise, I suffered the repercussions. My dad had a belt. That could reach around the block. My mom had radar that she could see what I was doing no matter where I was. And if she didn't see it, somebody else saw it. But I tried to be the best child that I could be. But now that I know who Jesus Christ is, now I know what sin is. And I've got to do the best I can to combat these forces on both hands. Sin on one hand, Christ on the other. But in order for me to fulfill the promises that God has for me, I need to have tools. If you want me to dig a hole, what do I need? A what? A shovel. If you tell me to cook you a pot roast, I need a, I need a pot roast. <laughs> and a roaster. If you need me to do any other thing, I'm going to need the tools that I need. To fulfill what you're asking me to do. All right. We all agree. I, I can't do it on my own. So in order for me to walk this Christ walk. Now that I know what sin is. I needed something to walk this walk. And so we want to continue. To guard. Inspect and protect what God has given you. To guard. Inspect and protect the things that God has given you. So God has given me and given each and every one of you 
fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. So we want to pick up with patience. Patience. What is patience? Patience is the ability to wait. But not just to wait, but to endure. The ability to wait and not just endure. So if you go to the drive-thru and they say, excuse me, sir, would you mind, or ma'am, could you, do you mind pulling up to the line in front of you and we'll have your food right out to you? And so you wait five or ten minutes and you're like, what in the world is taking so long for my fries? That's not real true patience. That is not the endurance that God is looking for us to fulfill. Amen? Thank you very much. That's not real true patience. It takes patience. But we're talking about endurance on a greater level. Endurance meaning how long am I going to have to wait before my company compensates me for what I've done? How long do I have to continue to go to the doctor for these treatments? How long before they find a cure for this disease that I'm going through? How long do I have to be in this abusive relationship? It takes patience to a whole new level. So if you're tired, like, like myself, I had, to go to, I had to go into the lion's den last night. I had to walk from the parking lot into the doors of Walmart. Looking for school supplies. Just a few days before school was supposed to start. And I'm telling you, you know, it's, it's like you're, you have to watch your back. Because you don't know who's out there looking for the same thing you're looking. But the amazing thing was, I was able to go through, find bins, find shelves, and find everything that I was looking for in a matter of about 10 minutes. So then I go to the front of the store, and there is a line. I mean, it seemed like it was going from here to 7-Eleven across the street. It was, I mean, and, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll go down there. And I, and I saw somebody come back to me. They said, no, you don't want to go down there. But is that real true patience? It is a level of patience. Don't get me wrong. It is a level of patience because guess what? People are looking to see how you act when you get in those situations. And a woman came up behind me, I mean, because the lines are steadily getting longer. And she said, oh, how in the world? On a payday weekend, a holiday weekend, and just before school starts, they only got three registers open. Why don't they have more people here? And I said, ma'am, you know, it's a possibility people called out. And, that, and I left it at that. She just, she didn't want to hear that. And just a few minutes later, as God would have it, right as I got, took another, another couple of steps forward, a woman came over and she said, sir, this register is now open. I'll take you right here. I'll take you right here. And so guess what? I was next in line. I was next in line. And lo and behold, the manager who told me that that line is now open, she started a conversation with someone else. She said, she said yeah, everybody decided to call out. Ten people called out today. And that was the truth. But those level of patience will take us to the ability to wait, to the ability to endure. Next, let's talk about kindness. Kindness. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. My scripture for this. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to use the King James Version because they used the word I wanted. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. 
Do we want tribulations to come on us? Does anybody want bad things to happen to you? Do you want gloom and doom and, hey, we're cutting your hours, we're cutting your paycheck, we're cutting your wages? Do, do we want those things to happen? But the Bible says, but when they do happen, because they're going to happen, we glory in that because we know God is working for our good. God is going to make things work out when we trust him. It says, but knowing that these tribulations, these trials, these cuts in our pay, the, the closing down of the plant, the flooding, the storms, works our patience. And if I can say this real, real quick, that the Jones family has family down in Houston, Texas. And if they are not dealing with these situations that the trying of their, excuse me, that knowing that the tribulations work patience, how long before you all come and get us? How long before we find shelter? That's patience right there, not when are you going to get my fries? Excuse me, I asked for more sweet tea. Excuse me, can I get some more napkins over here? That's not patience. That's not patience. Going through a storm like Harvey is patience. Amen? Amen? So let's talk about kindness. Kindness is being friendly, generous, and considerate. Any generous people in here? Any generous people in here? All right. But you're also friendly and you are considerate. In the book of Jeremiah, a very familiar passage of scripture, Jeremiah 31 verse 3, chapter 31 verse 3. And it says, and the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. His kindness has never failed. God's kindness. Again, it says being generous, being considerate. Those things that God has never failed in giving unto us. So we have to display that same kind of kindness. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about guarding, inspecting, and protecting our fruit. Guarding, inspecting, and protecting our fruit. So we've got to guard our kindness. Because we oftentimes say, I'm not going to be kind to you because you will just take advantage of me. But were there not people that took advantage of Christ's kindness? Yes, they did. But he continued to be kind to them. But he says, I have drawn you with an unfailing kindness. Even to the cross, they took advantage of him. While he wasn't looking, people beat him and punched him and kicked him, spit on him. But he continued to draw them with an unfailing kindness. Goodness is our next fruit. Goodness is an attitude of rendering to others, whether it be their wants or their needs. Goodness. Now, let me point this out. Well, let me go to my scripture first. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, or, or do you despise the riches, of his, the riches of his goodness and patience and long-suffering? Do we despise these great things, goodness, patience, 
and long-suffering, meaning to endure for a great deal of time, knowing that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Because God doesn't allow cancer to come on to us to get our attention. God doesn't say, well, I'm going to let you get in an accident so I can save your life. No, God says, you know, I'm going to bless you with a new position on your job. I'm going to give you that promotion you've been looking for. You know, I want to take you to some people and introduce you to someone who's going to help you further down the road. And you don't know why you've been introduced to this person. And God does this so that we can say, you know, I've been trying to do this for so long and it has never worked. And even on those days, those times when I feel like, God, I've fallen short. God, I haven't done what you have told me to do. Not as, as a pastor, but just as a child of God. Even though you love me with an unfailing love, it's your goodness that leads me to repent. That says, you know, Lord, I'm tired of doing things the way I've wanted to. I'm tired of doing the things that I, the way I think they work best. And when God shows us his goodness, it makes us turn from the ways we were going to his ways. Because God can easily, at a, at a, at a simple breath of his nostrils, can wipe out an entire nation. At the movement of his hand, he can create a wave that would wipe out all of the United States. And he has every right to. Because he is our creator. But he says rather than to destroy you or to manipulate you or to cast plagues and and sickness on you, he says, I'm going to show you goodness. How many of you woke up this morning? All right, everybody raised their hand. And it's the goodness of God. It's like, Lord, I don't deserve to even wake up this morning. But you did it, so therefore I see this. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to give you glory. But let me also point out to this, that there are people who have goodness but lack kindness. People have good intentions but they lack kindness. Because I can easily say, well, let me go ahead and give this to you. I know you have need of it. And then the only reason I'm giving it to you is because I have a supplier who gives me these things. And they tell me, hey, take all you want, give them to whoever you want. So I'm just doing something for this other company, but I'm just fulfilling somebody somebody else's greater need. Or people will do things for organizations, and they don't care two cents about you, but they know they can write it off on their taxes. And that's saying that everybody who does that has the wrong motive. But people can have or do good things but they're not doing it because they're kind-hearted. They just see a need. Well, well let, me, oh, let me help this person onto the bus. And that, they're not doing it out of kindness. They're doing it because the bus is running late already. So the sooner I help you to get in your seat, this bus can start moving and we can get to where we need to go. It's not because of kindness. It's only because of goodness. And then finally, faithfulness faithfulness oh excuse me and I, I, we don't have to turn to it but 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we often call the love chapter, it says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not love, I'm nothing. So we can have that goodness, but without the kindness, if I don't do it in love, the Bible says, if you have not love, it's, it's nothing. If our motive for doing things is not love, then we are absolutely nothing. We're doing it in vain. So then in faithfulness, and this is where the rubber really hits the road. Faithfulness is what? Being what? Committed to your word. Now, and again, I tell you, in the King James Version, it says faith. And faith and faithfulness, even though one is the root word of the other, faithfulness is being committed to your word. What you promised to do. I'll be there at 5 o'clock to come pick you up. Quarter to 6, I'm calling you, and you're telling me, oh, I'm right around the corner. Fifteen minutes later, I'm almost at your house. And, and I've heard that story so many times. I'm on my way. Well, what does on my way mean? <laughs> I just got out of bed. <laughs> but the reason why faithfulness is so important is, is because I can say a whole lot of things. I can say I love you and never mean it. But when I give you what you ask for, being committed to what I say, that's the difference. I can say I'll be there and never show up. And, and granted, things happen, things come up, and you have to reschedule, you have to change your plan. But at least call that person and say, I can't make it, something has come up. I learned that lesson back in 1980 from a 16-year-old. I was 20 years old, and a 16-year-old taught me that lesson. I, I was 20 years old, and I borrowed $20 from a 16-year-old high school student. And when I brought him his money back, long story short, he says, you could have at least called me, and, and granted, we didn't have cell phones, but he said, you could have at least called me and told me you weren't going to bring me my money today. He says, I will never loan you money again. Why? Because I was not faithful in what I promised to do. So what does this really mean? When we tell God, yes, Lord. And when we say, Lord, we're meaning I will follow you. Not just God, but Lord, meaning I will follow you whatever you tell me to do. Be committed. He's already held up his end of the bargain. He has already died and rose again for all of us. So he's done what he's supposed to do. So we want things from God. We want his blessings. We want extended favor. We even want miracles. But we are not committed to what we say we're going to do. And, and honestly, I, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by the greeting that we got when uh, Sister Maria was going over and we went across the street. And we, we, we hear it all the time. People's like, okay, we'll be there on Sunday. But we're not always expecting to see people. And we understand because people are like, okay, now I, I said I was going to be there, and I really, but I really don't want to go because I'm scared and I don't have the things to wear. And, and we hear it all the time. And I don't hold that against people. 
Because none of us, as soon as we were able to understand what church was about, none of us said, hey, mom, dad, take me to church. I want to go. We waited. We waited. Somebody came to us and said, hey, do you know about Jesus Christ? Yeah, I've, I've heard about him. But how long did it take us to go? So those are some beautiful, I mean, we met some beautiful people over there. I got an aunt now, and I didn't know. Aunt lives over there. Aunt Nina. <laughs> she just wanted to hug me. She just wanted to talk. Beautiful lady. And it was like, well, do you have kids? She says, no. She says, but I'm just so happy to see you all over here and what you're doing. Handing out the school supplies. But we have to be committed. When we say we are going to do something, do it. And the Bible even says it's better not to make a vow than to make one and break it. But if you say you're going to do something, go ahead and do it. If you can't do it, as soon as you know you can't do it, don't wait till the last minute. Hey, I know I'm supposed to be on my way to pick you up, but hey, I'm going to go hang out with. No, please don't do me like that. But not only to our brothers and sisters, but be committed unto God. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and this is where God is faithful because people will stick through, stick with you as long as times are good. Will they not? As long as the money's rolling in, as long as there's food in the refrigerator, as long as the game is on. As soon as your cable goes out, they're like, well, we're going over BJ's house. We're going to watch the game over there. But the Bible says no temptation has overtaken you, has overcome you, has confronted you, except that which is common to man. Whatever it is that you have ever been tempted with, somebody else has been tempted with it first. Well, you don't, you don't understand. It came at me real quick, all of a sudden, and I just didn't know what to do, and I just gave in. Okay, well, you did, but don't think... And the enemy's greatest tool is deception. He wants us to think that nobody else has ever gone through this before. Nobody has ever gone through this. I'm the only one, Lord. I'm the only one. But it's saying this is common to man. And it says, and God is what? God is faithful. That he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So you decide, I'm going to the party. All right, let's go to the party. And then all of a sudden, some guys grabbed me and they put a funnel in my mouth and they started pouring Bacardi and whiskey and malt liquor down my throat. And before I knew it, man, I was drunk and tipsy and all this other stuff. That was beyond my control of them grabbing me and putting me on the ground. So what does that tell me? That it was beyond my control, but that tells me next time I'm not going to the party. Because guess what? But when you are tempted, and that's not a, well, let's say this. When you are tempted, he also provides a way out. Yeah, if somebody grabs you and, and does something to you, you know, and I just use that, you know, people, you know, poor looking down at hey, I'm hey, whatever. They can do all of that. But maybe the temptation is, do I really need to go? And it's not, doesn't have to be a party. It could just be a barbecue. You know, it could, it could be like, hey, well, let's watch the game. And before you not watch the game, after the game is over, it's like, well, let's watch this movie. Hey, well, let's watch this movie. And before you know, it's like, why am I watching this movie? 
then you have to make a decision. Uh, you know, I, I can't, ooh, I can't, I can't watch that. It's, it's like, ooh. As soon as they started doing, I was okay with the movie, but why did they have to put that? And, and I know a movie that I've watched part of at some times was the movie Titanic. Anybody ever seen the movie Titanic? And they changed the whole story about a ship that was unsinkable into a love story. It's like, why? You took a part of history. So anyway, how did I get off on that? But anyway, you're, you're watching something. You're watching something, and it's like all of a sudden everything turns, and you have to tell yourself, okay, I'm being tempted with something that doesn't agree with my spirit. Something that doesn't agree, but God says, I will provide a way out. And sometimes your way out is simply, excuse me, y'all, um, I have to go. You don't have to start quoting scriptures. It's like, you know, that, that's, not, that's just not me. You know, call me the next time. I'll hook up with y'all again. You don't have to get all holy and all that other stuff. If God leads you to give him a scripture, you know, and don't tell him, you know, you're going to hell if you keep watching that. You're not, you don't have to go through that. Just tell him, hey, peace out. I'm gone. All right? So this is how we... Guard, inspect, and protect our fruit. Because we've got to know that when the time comes for us to walk away from something and know and see when those temptations are coming against us, and we all know, and please nobody raise your hand, you know what your greatest temptation is. You know that you have a weak point. That when you get so frustrated, when you get so tired, when you get to that point of breaking, there's something that you always go back to. All of us have something. It might be, oh, I'm so tired, I'm so frustrated, I'm so this, I'm so that. I'm going to the store and I'm going to buy me a new. And it's, <laughs> and it's something that every time we get frustrated, we got to go buy something. Every time I get mad, I just get on the interstate and I drive as fast as I can. Every time I get mad, I just got to punch a wall. I got to hit somebody. But God's saying, whatever you're going through, guess what? Everybody has gone through something. Even Jesus was tempted. But it says, but yet he did not sin. We can't say that he was, oh, he was so perfect. He was above sin. No, the devil even came to him and tempted him. But he did not sin because God was faithful. He didn't allow him to be tempted above what he can do, but provided a way of escape. So as I wrap this up, there's a terminology that we've been using more frequently in recent years called cybersecurity. Anybody familiar with ever heard that term before? May not understand it, but you've heard the term cybersecurity. It's a fairly recent term that we use. In the 1970s is when it really began. In the 1970s, though, our only concern was people were tapping into each other's phone lines. They were tapping into each other's phone line and using your phone number to make long-distance calls. And there was a term they used called freaking. P-H, not the F-R, but the P-H R-E-A-K-I-N-G. But they called it freaking. That was the first form of real cybersecurity that was ever discovered. And then in the 1980s was when it moved to yet another level. In 1986, 
was the first one, which was called um, a, the brain. The first known virus ever made was called the brain that came out in 1986. In 1988 was the Morris worm. Anybody ever heard of a worm? That was in 1988. Into the 90s, we moved it to another level where people were beginning to want to know who you were. And they wanted to become who you are, which we commonly now known as identity theft. And in the 2000s, people have gotten so crafty with this, and now it has turned into a money-making scheme. Cybersecurity. And people will say, well, you know, I don't work for Google. I don't work for IBM. I don't work for a major company. I don't work for a major industry. But if you're living, breathing in the United States or anywhere in the part of the world, you are always under the threat of security of cybersecurity, because it may not be you on the computer but someone else has your information whether it be your insurance company your doctor a lawyer anyone and someone wants to tap in and get your information to either get your money get your identity find out who you are but they're not doing it just for games they're doing it to gain something so whether, you know, whether we realize it or not, we are all under the threat of cybersecurity. But again, this only started in the 1970s. But spiritual cybersecurity has been going on since the beginning of time. Satan has always been tapping in, trying to find out who you are. He's been trying to steal your identity because you have blessings that he wants. You have abilities to go before God that he had, but he lost because he wanted to be God. And God said, I'm not having any parts of it. So you are constantly under threat. The devil, the devil wants to be who you are, but he can never be. The Bible clearly states and tells us that hell was created for the devil and his angels. So guard Inspect and protect your fruit. I've, I know usually during the summertime, I try to eat more fruit to lose a little bit of weight. So I'll go to the store. My favorite fruit is bananas. And so I put the bananas on the counter. And I'm like, wow, now they're getting, that green is off of them. They're getting yellow. They're getting ripe. And then sometimes I take fruit and I put it inside the refrigerator and I forget that it's there. Then after a while, you open that drawer up and was once good, tasty, ripe fruit is now this needs to go in the trash. Because we didn't continue to inspect the fruit. And if we don't inspect our fruit, it will go rotten. It will go bad on us. Y'all with me? So whatever fruit you have, you've got to keep it rolling. You've got to keep it moving. Because our fruit is for us to eat but yet for others to see. Like I said last night in Walmart, I could have easily jumped on the bandwagon and said, yeah, they need to hire more people. You know, y'all knew they were, it's like, you know something? I knew people just want to call in. Long weekend, they want to go party. Amen? So what do I do to make all of this happen? I've got to change. I've got to change. I have to change my mindset. And how do I do this? Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says. 
Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but do what? Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Understand that we are created in God's image. We are both spirit, mind, and body. So the spirit wants to do whatever God says do. The body wants to do what the body wants to do. What does the body want to do? The body wants to sleep. The body wants to eat. The body wants to play. The body wants to go do this. Our flesh wants to do all kinds of things except for serve God. But it's the mind that is the battleground. So we have to put the word of God in us. And that's going to get us to where we need to be. So I just want to let it be known right now that there's a person in this room that I I have a problem with right now. And I want to go tell them how I feel about them, but yet I don't want to create an issue with them. So I'm going to just as soon keep my distance and just kind of let things, just, just see if they'll settle down. But what does the word of God say about this? In Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. What does it say? Say what? Read it together. Now I have a problem with you. But yet I don't want to approach you. I don't, I don't want to talk to you because what you did really hurt me. It really offended me. But yet I'm wondering why these things in my life are not working the way they should work. Because guess what? My Heavenly Father has not forgiven me. Why? Because I haven't forgiven my brother. I refuse to forgive them for what they did. So therefore, God is holding up my blessing. In fact, I'm holding up my own blessing. And a few weeks ago, like I said... If there is a problem between you and I, and I can't forgive you, my problem is not with you. My problem is with God. The problem is my link between me and God. My relationship is tainted between me and God if I can't forgive you. I don't understand what true love is. I don't understand love at its greatest level. So then I'm riding down the street. And we see him more and more. We see him more and more. There's that person standing on a corner. Has a sign in their hand. Help the homeless. Help a veteran. Please help me. I'm homeless. And what do we do? Turn up the radio and roll up the windows. Turn our head like, I'm looking, I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something. Just waiting for the light to turn green. And we're talking about change now. We have this fruit, but we've got to change. 1 John chapter 3. It says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need. What? But has no pity on them. How can we have or how can the love of God be in that person? Now, does that mean that you have to give something to everyone that you see? No, we don't. Nobody has that kind of money. Not the average person. You can't give something to everybody. But the key is when you see them and you have no pity on them. 
And I'm telling you, when I see homeless people, I'm like, wow, what can we do? What can I do to help that person? Sometimes, I, I mean, we oftentimes see the same people over and over again. But what can I do? And then finally, I need your help. But you don't want to help me. Because you see this as being one thing and, and I see it as something else. And so we can never come to agreement. Well, let's sit down and talk about it. Well, we can never get on the same schedule to talk about this thing because until we get this one thing fixed, our problems will never be resolved. So in the book of John, chapter 17, which is now known to some people as the Lord's Prayer, because this is the prayer that Jesus prayed before he was taken away, arrested, and crucified. And in the garden, he said, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also, meaning his disciples, meaning his followers, be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then in verse 22, he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one. And we talked about this at, during Bible study. God doesn't see Baptist people. God doesn't see Methodist people. God doesn't see AME people. God sees his believers. We can go by all these different titles. It's like, well, I'm not getting with them because they, they're of another denomination. But are you still of the same family? If my sister gets married and takes on another man's name, is she no longer my sister? We're all still one and the same. One family. Amen? So we have got to guard, protect, and inspect our fruit. Amen. Hallelujah.